Welcome to the Healthcare Marketing Underground podcast for the week of August 8th, 2015. This is episode number 267, and I'm Chris Boyer, Senior Vice President of Digital at Revive Health, and with me today are... Jackie Olson, Traffic Manager with Revive Health. And a special guest... Malia Barron, Vice President of Health Systems at Revive Health. Yay. Isn't it a new last name? Oh, yes. <laughs> so you just got married? I did. Okay, I did. so you're using your, your maiden name still, Malia. Well, it's true, sometimes. So I, it just flows easier, I think, and uh-huh. it's top of mind. But yes, new last name. And what's the new last name? Rising. Rising. Malia cool. Rising. Ah. Well, I mean... Truth be told, you have your maiden name for so long, you just get a little bit used to it. So then all of a sudden when you switch over, it's like, I still have to check myself. So <laughs> yeah. I got married like a year, almost two years ago. So, Well, that's, I, I, you know, I, I, and how long ago did you get married, Malia? Um, six weeks. Six weeks. Well, so that's totally understandable. Jackie, two years. Come on. Two years in October. Two years in October, and you're still forgetting your maiden name or your real yeah. name, your well, married name? Well, sometimes, I mean, well, and then you have all... You know, all your stuff that's still listed under your maiden name. It's just, yeah, it's complicated, Boyer. I know. <laughs> I'm a man. <laughs> you get to keep your name. I get to keep my name. <laughs> um, so, Malia, you're up here in Minneapolis for a couple of days. Yes. What a beautiful city. It's pretty up here, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It's my first time to be here to, like, actually walk around and see downtown and North Loop. And it's so nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So nice. I do love it here. I mean, it's mm-hmm. more enjoyable when, you know, for visitors, I think, when they come in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> so come in the winter, you might you might be singing a different tune. Yeah. Oh, my but goodness. <laughs> we always get on the weather topics on this podcast. We do. We do. It is gorgeous here right now. So Yeah. But welcome up yeah. to our to our city. And, and I'm glad you're enjoying it. I'm glad we had great weather for you. Um, I guess I can call it our city, even though I'm relatively new here, too. That's right. So. Well, thanks for having good. me. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. And we have a real, some really good topics that we want to talk about today that maybe we'll jump in after we kind of do an update uh, as to where we're at. Uh, there's a couple big events coming up. Um, one of the, the biggest upcoming event is uh, September 9th through the uh, 11th. We have the Joe Public Retreat, the Half Moon Bay in California. Every time we talk about the Half Moon Bay, we talk about the beautiful resort it's going to be at. Um, mm-hmm. This is uh, a limited engagement event. I mean, this is designed to, you know, very few people are going to be there. A real good, dynamic, off-site retreat. We've been going through the agenda and really trying to make this sort of a unique learning experience. There's only a few seats left. So um, go out to JoePublicRetreat.com and make sure you reserve, the, uh, reserve that. Uh, right now, uh, I think there's like two or three places left. So get, right. get there. So it's pretty, it's going to yeah. be fun. Emily, you're going to be there, right? I will. Okay. That'd be awesome. Awesome. Well, awesome. That is awesome. And then um, there's, uh, I'm speaking on October 13th through the 15th at the Senior uh, Care Marketing Sales Summit in Chicago. Uh, another event, uh, I'm speaking on October 1st as well. And this one isn't on our list, but um, we're going to get it on there. The Utah Hospital Association as well. And both of those topics are going to be speaking about um, uh personalized marketing and the different types mm-hmm. of technologies that marketers have in the healthcare in the healthcare healthcare system space um, as well as uh, the senior care uh, conference is going to be focusing on people that run senior care and retirement home communities so they're also mm-hmm. facing some of the similar challenges that we're doing 
And then um, lastly, uh, the summit, which is going to be uh, a, a provider event that we're um, uh, actually it's an event for health systems to discuss provider negotiations, etc. We're doing that November 9th through the 11th um, at also a real nice location, Laguna Beach, California. So for those of you who want to know, you know, where we're at and how to get involved and more information, just go to thinkrevivehealth.com slash events and it's all listed there for you. So anything else, Malia, are you speaking anywhere else? I am not. I okay. just know that I have attended the summit um, last year when it was hosted mm-hmm. in Nashville, and it was a really dynamic conversation with some of the managed oh, cool. care um, folks from around the some of the largest health systems in the country. And we had um, analysts. Um, we had from all over and it was just really dynamic and it was a really integrated session where people Mm -hmm. could really just hear about what what their problems were and talk through some of the solutions that that people were seeing so oh awesome super awesome is this the second year it's being held no i think it's in its seventh year seven years yeah okay yeah seventh annual Seventh Annual right. Summit. Summit, yeah, it's a really dynamic event. Pretty, pretty interesting, and, and led by a number of great people. So, That's right. mm-hmm. yeah, so uh, mark that on your calendars, everyone. So why don't we just jump right into some of our talkers? Our first talker today, our first uh, article we're going to talk about, um, came from UCF, UCSF.edu, um, and UCSF, so the University of California in San Francisco's own website, actually published this article. Is that right? Um, It's interesting that we found this article, and it was about a study that was done in California looking at the disparities in healthcare institutions, not-for-profit versus Mm -hmm. for-profit. Malia, do you want to just kind of set us up, give us some context around this? Sure. Um, So this is obviously something that um, is a wide topic around a lot of providers across the country, right? Mm -hmm. It's the way hospitals and health systems differentiate bad debt versus charity care is different for every state and different for every provider. Mm -hmm. So I think what's really important about, um, or interesting, I guess, rather, about this article is that the government doesn't really regulate that. It doesn't regulate what they consider, what hospitals should consider Mm -hmm. charity versus bad debt. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. an interesting way that I at least approach it is one sector that I think is missing out of the article, I think is faith-based organizations. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. Right, so when you have faith-based providers, you typically have a community that really supports that um, hospital and almost expects them Mm -hmm. to provide more charity care than Mm -hmm. Mm non-faith-based provider organizations. Right, right. So it's just an interesting, I think, dichotomy when you look at it, where we can look at numbers and we can look at the government saying, you know, oh, well, we should implement these, you know, minimums, Mm -hmm. but what happens when the community rallies around and wants right. them to give more or less? Well, let's take a right. let's take a little step back and let's talk about it. the article. Is a it actually was it's based on a study that was done in California mm-hmm. around not for profit hospitals mm-hmm. versus for profit hospitals about the amount of charity care they provide mm-hmm. and the amount of I'm sorry I I also get them confused charity care as well as Bad, bad debt, debt mm-hmm. right? Um, a bad debt, and compared both nonprofit hospitals to for-profit hospitals, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, I think that you're right. A lot of faith-based institutions are kind of having their mission to take a certain amount of charity care as part of their mission. Now, I've mm-hmm. worked for two non-for-profit hospitals. Both of them, them were actually secular hospital mm-hmm. systems, although one of them did have a have a faith-based uh, approach or route to that. Can faith-based hospitals be not-for-profit and for-profit? 
Yes. Okay, they can be. I just wanted to clarify right. for my own purposes. Right. Okay. So the study looked at, what, 264 hospitals mm-hmm. in the state of California. And there was mm-hmm. a reason why they picked the state of California, right? Um, I th- and I'm trying to find it here in the article. Because it, the certain way that, as you said, Malia, right, each state defines this a little bit differently, defines what charity care is versus bad debt, Mm -hmm. right? So in the state of California, let's see, do they have the definition of what these two are? Let's see, I'm looking through the article really quick here. Um, So in many times when you think about charity care, it's giving care to people that actually can't pay, right? right? Can't pay for their care. So that is sort of like has a faith-based sort of feel to it, right? Or a mission-based feel to it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of nonprofit organi- hospitals have a certain, in, in their charters, they, or in, in and how they set themselves up, they, they establish in, every year that they do a certain amount of charity care to, mm-hmm. into their organization. And that, in some states, helps them qualify to be considered a nonprofit hospital system. Is that right? Sure. Right? And then there's also bad debt. Now, tell me a little, from your perspective, Malia, how would you define bad debt? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it comes from the provider organization itself, Mm -hmm. right? So when we go to allocate um, what you're spending, what your funding is going to be for the year, and then how that's allocated across different um, sectors, it's you have X amount of dollars for charity care, you know X amount of things are going to be bad debt. So it's some of those things that just roll over into the bad debt category. Mm -hmm. So... If charity care, if you've met your threshold for charity care, what happens if you have other people or that aren't able to receive care? What do they do with those dollars? You're not going to turn them away, right? Right. It's oh, I mean, so that flows over to bad debt. So it flows over. So it's oh, just okay. a matter of how you categorize. Okay. Bad yeah, debt. it's sort of like unpaid, unpaid mm-hmm. expenses. That's basically. Right. Okay. Whereas charity care, you kind of lead with the no expectation of payment, right? That's right. Bad debt is. Okay. Non-payment. I mean, in general, that's what it looks at. Now, it says here in the article, California was studied because it's the only state where for-profit hospitals, in addition to not-for-profit hospitals, are reported to are required to report charity care expenditure. So, in every other state, they're not. It's different for each state. It's different, okay. Right. So it's different for each state. And what they were really trying to do by this study is determine the from charity care and bad debt how that actually plays out in for-profit versus non-profit. Mm-hmm. And I think it found something interesting, right? Did it? Oh, Yeah, no, I was, uh, that was kind of my throw to you, Malia. <laughs> Sorry. It did find, it found You're something interesting, right? Here? Yeah, I was actually kind of <laughs> setting you out there. But um, so what they found, right, in the, in the, first of all, in the not-for-profit hospitals, that their level of charity care is sometimes lower mm-hmm. than for-profit mm-hmm. hospitals' charity care, which kind of runs counterintuitive if you think about that mm-hmm. for not-for-profit, right? The because cold. they're taxed at different levels. Yes, right? they are. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's a different tax implication yeah. because mm-hmm. of that. That was the first thing that they found. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the other thing that they found is that um, of those with bad debt, bad debt it relates to competitiveness and profitability, basically, mm-hmm. right? That they found that you know, that bad debt, the amount that that it actually has a competitive disadvantage, mm-hmm. and that for-profit hospitals are actually competitively disadvantaged more than not-for-profit hospitals. Is, am I explaining that right? I, that's how I interpreted the article. What I mean by that is, 
Okay, let's wait, maybe we pull this out here. Data show that some not-for-profit hospitals are not pulling their weight when it comes to uncompensated care. And secondly, the hospitals that are spending the highest proportion of their budgets on charity care may be at a competitive disadvantage. Mm -hmm. Hospitals spending more on charity have less disposable dollars to afford better facilities to attract new patients. So so what's your takeaway on that? Yeah, so I think that it goes to... I think it circles back around to the mission, right? So if we have strong financial resources Mm -hmm. from other areas, if you um, have funding, if you have strong payer provider relationships, that's all really great. And you can have larger funding and then accept a bigger chunk of that charity care and or bad debt. Mm -hmm. But if you don't, then it's the implications are, it could be serious for the health system, right? I mean, you reduce your financial, um, your buildings, Mm -hmm. you, some of the bare essentials, um, take a back seat, and that could be your quality. That could be patient experience. It could be all of the things that right. people really expect and want when they go to a healthcare provider. Mm-hmm. Right. right, that takes the back seat. Right, right. So this is kind of interesting, particularly with the uh, Affordable Care Act coming on board. Mm-hmm. Right, um, that and and that each state handles this differently. And in fact, in some states where they've tried to impose. Um, regulations around the amount of charity care that's provided by for-profit hospitals, or I'm sorry, not-for-profit hospitals, Mm -hmm. that it actually had an impact to how those hospitals reacted to their market, too, Mm -hmm. right? Um, uh, In in Texas, they mandated that hospitals spend 4% of their net patient care on charity care. Some hospitals increased their spending, and others reduced it resulting in overall loss, right? Mm -hmm. So what's interesting is is that this is going to have sort of a long-term down care, a downstream impact on how people are going to respond to that. I think uh, the authors of the researchers said that we should impose some sort of standardization and that the federal government in their Affordable Care Act should include requirements for hospitals on claiming not-for-profit or for-profit, what that means, and but I think that that's that when you play that out practically, it's going to be very very challenging in particular different markets. Yeah, is that right? I agree. Yeah, yeah. and although it'll be difficult, I think there is some. Um, I don't know, hope for some type of standardization, just a benchmark, right? right? I mean, just so we're all playing on the same field, so mm-hmm. we don't have the opportunity to say, oh, well, just because you're for-profit, you're raking in all the dollars, and poor, pitiful me, not-for-profit mm-hmm. hospital, I'm taking on all the compensated care because everyone thinks that we should. Right. I think right. It, could, it could reduce that disparity in that argument and mm-hmm. just at least have a baseline. Right, yeah, right. But then that could have an impact on how on how organizations in the future are going to, you know, as we look at the insurance providers mm. consolidating, and most hospital systems, too, are now looking at consolidation going big, right? That's right. Right, integrating, doing mergers, acquisitions. It could really play out in a very interesting way as things as things go forward. Mm-hmm. I tell you, the business side of this this um, of healthcare of the hospital system is utterly fascinating because of so many different ways that you can approach the market. Um, and and you know and and how do, how how will this? I mean, you know, we could we could look at a predict predict in, into a, you know, a crystal ball what will happen. But from my perspective, what I, what I see is I agree that I think there might be um, an op- opportunity for us to start to really standardize this across the across the country. But I think it's going to take years before mm-hmm. they they really start to figure all that out. Yeah. So I don't know. Any I mean, look how long it took us to have just standardized care for everyone. Right? I know. Right. Wow. So. Now we're, talking. now we're talking on like a federal level, a state level, an individual provider level mm-hmm. that right. will take years. So just gut, 
this is now a gut reaction for everybody around on the microphones. Um, <laughs> if you were faced with having to go to a not-for-profit hospital or for-profit hospital, Jackie, which one do you think would be a better choice just based on that status? If you knew it was all, everything. Based on what I just read in this article? Well, yeah, or just, yeah. Well, you would assume that, you would assume not-for-profit hospitals. Right. Would be a better place for care? Well, you mean care for me or just... For you, yeah. For your choice, if you had a choice. I don't know. I mean, do people really differentiate? I mean, this is a bigger question. Do people really know and differentiate in a not-for-profit right. versus a for-profit? I mean, I honestly am not as knowledgeable even about you guys, about what that means. Yeah. How about you, so Malia? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that people do. I, yeah. think, I think people associate a not-for-profit hospital being mission-driven, very holistic in their patient care, um, the ability to look at the patient holistically and just care for you, and mm-hmm. less about... And then this is totally my perspective, but right. on the for-profit, they're bottom line driven. They look at individual mm-hmm. ailments and just right. fix that. So, yeah, right. And I'd I mean, agree with that. And I, I don't think in Minnesota here we have a ton of for-profit hospitals. Is that right? Do you know? Bevelo would know, but. Uh, no, well, I don't. I think you're right. I, I don't think there are a ton of, uh, well, a for-profit hospitals, you said? Yeah. There are, there definitely are some, and there's more coming into the into the market, into okay. the area. But I think we're seeing that in many different organizations, right? Um, right. Or many different in, um, markets, I should say, that we're seeing a, a kind of a, a fluctuation. I was, you know, in the New York market, also in the D.C. market, there certainly was mm-hmm. influences of for-profit and not-for-profit, and sort of there's an internal struggle. Mm-hmm. And that struggle then cascades to the branding level, it cascades to the marketing level because of this implication, right? So I think there's this this is just sort of like the tip of the iceberg for yeah. health systems to, to focus on. on. So that's a really interesting article. Um, I don't know who found this. Did you? Were you the one who found this one? I didn't know. But it was a great article. We found yeah. that. Um, so yeah, cool study. Excellent study. Well, um, let's turn to the second article, or the second talker point that we have. And I think we're going to talk about um, mobile advertising and changes in mobile ads. There was an article that came that we found on AdAge around New York Times planning to make mobile ads more native, quote unquote, right? right? <laughs> and less term. interruptive. Mm-hmm. So let's let's kind of frame this a little bit, right? I, I think uh, I consume a lot of news through my mobile phone and it drives me mm-hmm. crazy at how much mm. there's so much advertising and particularly yeah. when you go to wet hosp- uh, news sites, right? Yep. Uh, news sites have all this, uh, you know, good articles and then you have to like scroll through a bunch of display ads and all these other ads to get mm-hmm. to the meat of the article. And even though the site's responsive and it's easy to read the article, you still have to click through and I accidentally sometimes hit the butt, hit mm-hmm. the ad that and the, the ad pops up and all this other stuff. So <laughs> yeah. what what the New York Times has done is actually have, is they're starting to introduce a new type of advertising into the into the into the mix here that that um, makes it more native and what they what they mean by more native it's more seamless right it it's p- more it part of the, the experience um, it seems yeah exactly mm-hmm. it lives within the content mm-hmm. it's actually contextual based to the content um, and it was really kind of an interesting article because it really defines how advertising is moving That's and that right. is where advertising is becoming mo- more and more sub-segmented so you can actually be very targeted mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it also um, it, it's, it's starting to blur the lines of advertising in real, right? So Malia, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, that was a great segue into, I think the biggest point that I took from this is that some of the, um, editorial directors, right? They're taking these, these ads and then they're writing the content and the perspective of the ad and then weaving it into the editorial, right? Mm -hmm. So it makes it this article, this like age old, like 
argument that we've always had about the separation of church and state, right? The Mm -hmm. separation of advertising and true editorial writing that's going to be so Mm fact-based, but yet we're blurring the lines even closer. Right. And so it's the struggle of like, so... Well, well, it's not that new, right? Advertorial. I, I mean, I oh, worked sure. at a newspaper like 10 years ago, and I mean, we're talking about advertorials. We're sure. selling advertorials back then, yes. right? I'm talking for the consumer. For the consumer? So when the consumer, yeah, when the yeah. consumer reads it, they believe that the content they're reading may or may not be an advertorial, right? right? Because of how well it's written, mm-hmm. it's still that advertiser's you know, right. messages all the way weaved through. So. And how non-invasive I think it is in this situation, too. Yeah, it's yeah. it's right. like I mean, it's, p- seamlessly part of the experience yeah. now, right? They they equate it to like a what I was gathering. They equate it to like a sponsored post mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. in like a Facebook. So they're calling it like in feed advertising. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and moreover, they have this. Uh, it's it's fascinating. Trust me, from an advertising perspective, yeah. it really offers a lot of uniqueness because you can now choose what they call what they're calling a mobile moments, mm-hmm. right? Where you could choose yeah, cool. to advertise at certain points of the day when people consume. And they've had the researchers spend time understanding how people are looking at content yeah. on their site. You want 12, 12 moments. 12 moments. In a day, right? Yeah. And they have broken it down and then taken it further to see based on the digital aspect, right? Because we have so many more analytics mm-hmm. when you're online. Mm-hmm. But then broken it down by the day parts for which they receive the most traffic. Morning. Right afternoon and then mm-hmm. advertisers can then weave into those specific sections right target their messages it's based unreal. on those moments yeah yeah i mean smart well like some of these moments <laughs> yeah. are like here choose a moment and they have a listing a screenshot of these uh prepare me for the day so when we're like those people that look in the morning for their news to prepare mm-hmm. them for the day mm-hmm. you can advertise to them make me feel connected um help me plan mm-hmm. update me on something i missed I mean, this is just fascinating ways to to segment how you're going to be advertising to certain people. And it really plays into the fact that advertising is becoming much more sophisticated. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that is because we get so much advertising out there. It's it's like we're inundated with ads. Right. And and you, we have to find creative, unique ways to put advertising mm-hmm. in 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 front of people that are more that's much more effective. Yeah. I, I like your point, Malia, about this coming from online too, right? Yeah. Because back in the old days, you couldn't determine from when someone read a newspaper, mm-hmm. like right. when they're reading so the newspaper, true. what mm-hmm. they're reading it for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, maybe this is sort of the new advent of where newspaper moving online. Maybe this is a way for them to start to reclaim their advertising dollars. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And can you think about, like, I remember when I first started NPR 11 years ago, where the client was asking us what their ROI was for the pitch that I made (laughs) and got in there. It was like, take the one column and multiply it times how many lines they had, times the ad rate. And that was the value. (laughs) Seriously. So I am so excited about just this opportunity of everything being digital, but starting with digital, right? Like how this is Mm -hmm. all about how to get to the consumer and make their day more convenient to where they continue to come back. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and how much more appealing for advertisers? Mm -hmm. I mean, that they can target, you know, based on these different moments. And Mm -hmm. I mean, because we all hate the, we all, I mean... For the most part, I can say you hate. We can hate and loathe digital advertising as it stands for the most part right now. Like what? 
What, I love how they started <laughs> off this article, too. Well, he says they start off his article, quote, mobile advertising as a whole is just fairly crappy. <laughs> and it's yeah, kind of the true. experience is really way. horrible. Yeah, the experience. But, well, I mean, let's, you know, I'm not going to get on the side of advertising, but I am kind of getting on the side of advertising because good mobile advertising can be done effectively, Correct. right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think we're talking about the bad mobile advertising. That's what I'm right. talking about. Sorry. I What's ironic that. about this is, first of all, it's on the advertising age page that has ads all over it. <laughs> Right, right? going true. through this article, they like have to scroll through seven yeah. ads. Right in the middle, they have an ad break, and they have ads to the left and ads to the right. Oh, and the irony! Yeah. I mean, that yeah. really is ironic. You know, I mean, it's it's funny. The article is even shifts over a little bit to, play, <laughs> to make room for ads. And a video just right smack dab in the middle. I know, yeah. right, right in the middle of this, and it's like there's a bar break that says advertisement, and they're like, well, it's not just mobile advertising; it's online advertising too. Um, I don't know. This, this was not seamless. No. 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 This is not a seamless interaction. And I think, just real quick, I think people's problem with it, though, is that it has a tendency to be invasive. Mm -hmm. So, like, the way the New York Times is approaching it, it's much less invasive. And I think, you know, people will appreciate that a little more. Right. And I think that ultimately that's what it is, right? I, I think that we... Well, I don't know. This is this is my point of view, and I think this is a point of view of uh, from Revive Health as we look at helping organizations with their advertising mm-hmm. and marketing capabilities, mm-hmm. particularly online with digital. You can actually reach people more effectively by giving them the information they need at the right time. That's right. Right. So being able to be more nuanced with right. um, with our, our our advertising, it's gone are the days where you just create a billboard and you're mm-hmm. good, right? Yes, I mean, digital first, being able to be very focused, nuanced to start delivering value in, in what we, we communicate which resonates I think very strongly with our with our clients when we work yeah. with them right um, being able to do that and given the opportunities to do this mm-hmm. okay now this speaks a lot to all right now we have to be a little bit more more nuanced right mm-hmm. about well if we're going to be pr- putting together a, a, a you know um, a, a campaign for for you know to promote whatever service we have or, or what have you it first of all the word promote is kind of outdated now right it's mm-hmm, like how do right. we make this more integrated more seamless yeah. content strategy becomes very a big and part of this so we can actually right. deliver value to them mm-hmm. um, this really becomes sort of the the shape of where, where things are to come and maybe one day it would be like the minority report right mm-hmm. where you just walk into the store and they say hello Malia Malia reason because they would know your last name unlike That's you right, right? they would That's know right. it changed they would know it changed <laughs> and they would say welcome to you know the banana republic we have you know whatever on sale yeah. and we've already pulled these items for you right based on your and they're phone. waiting for you mm-hmm. at the front counter right we've already charged your phone <laughs> as you walked by it just forces marketers I think to be smarter that's right which is a good thing finally right yeah. <laughs> no I'm not saying that marketers aren't smart but, I mean, it really for, fo- focuses them to really think about um, where their opportunities are and, 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 and how to be a little bit more nuanced and more right. p- more to their approach, which is an important thing. Mm-hmm. So, That's right. Minority Report. By the way, that reminds me of there's a, the TV show of Minority Report is coming out. Did you really? see that? No. Yeah, they're making a TV show about this that's coming out. Is Tom Cruise oh. in it? No, no. Oh, no. Oh, Tom well, Cruise, then no. it's not going to succeed. <gasps> yeah, well... <laughs> It's like about one of the precogs or something. I don't know. I I like that movie. Did you watch the movie? I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it? Okay. Well, have you seen the movie? The Minority Report? Yeah. Wasn't that old? It's kind of old. Like, I want to say it was like 10 years ago. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, Malia, what kind of TV shows do you watch? 
Oh man, um, I'm an HBO oh watcher. Okay, so I do the like Game of Thrones. Okay, so ooh, Game of Thrones. Chris Adam would and be. Chris aren't on here. Yeah, right well, I can go with Game of Thrones. And totally then True sure. Detective. True Detective. That's also okay. So so, so do you watch do you watch these shows, Jackie? No, I don't have HBO, but I mm. need to get it because or Showtime. Those mm. are the better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, let's have a let's have a, a True Detective conversation here because Chris okay. and I got into a little bit of a. Of, of a discussion, a, oh. a snit about this. Quote, um, unquote. <laughs> <laughs> we always get into little snits, though. Um, but uh, the the point is, is True Detective season one versus season two? Oh, um, for me, season one, I think I'm mm-hmm. a huge Matthew McConaughey fan. Mm-hmm. And he just really embodied that character mm-hmm. down in the bayou and right. it was I can a, totally see where he was it was <laughs> a phenomenal performance like yeah. he physically changed for yeah, this role he did right. um and then i think for season two vince vaughn i love him but i think i love him in more comedy mm-hmm. i guess it it felt like a very forced role for him mm-hmm. because it was so serious mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. but now that we're one episode before the finale mm. i have come to love season two yeah so have i man i so really you both have. watch it okay, yeah so yes. i'm totally eye yeah. guy out over here yeah All right, well that's so okay I need, to, I need to watch it we'll get you caught up we'll get you I you know you can HBO get an hbo go later. right yeah. yeah or hbo now or what is it the which one was free hbo, HBO now is mm-hmm. the one where you could subscribe to come on okay. jackie get with it i gotta get with the times here okay get up on speed yeah i can't believe you've been working with chris and adam for so long and not yeah. watch they've game been, of thrones they've literally been talking about game of thrones <laughs> on this podcast for like 10 years well, so I'm kidding, i will add been. that they have they being the directors have decided that they will at least go through season seven mm-hmm. which means we get at least two more seasons so of it's it. in wow. season five it's just finished season five about two weeks ago okay Wow. I have them so all on DVD. If you want me to send them to you, okay. wow! I am, yeah, I'm an avid. Watcher. Then I won't. I won't mention that I don't have a DVD player. <laughs> okay, so that Chris, we just judged your, you. That's your digital option of HBO now. <laughs> we just judged you, Jackie. All right. What well, you? what do you mean? Oh, I'm in terms of what I watched. Yeah, True Detective, yeah. of course, Game of Thrones. I really got into over the summer. There was a show called Wayward Pines. Oh. That was on Fox, of all things. So I really got into watching that. That was mm-hmm. really good. Um, sort of a sci-fi dystopian future story yeah. um, with lots of turns. It's based on some kind of books. It was kind of interesting, really mm-hmm. fun fun to watch. Um, and, you know, I am I watch a lot of my content on demand, so through Netflix, whatever, although I do have TV and, and all that. I just tend to watch it all, yeah. you know. Same. Yeah. In a, in a fast forward fashion. Mm-hmm. Can I throw in a plug here for yeah. um, the show Dating Naked? No, I can't. <laughs> Actually, it's right quite sad because my husband does watch that, so it's out in the background, and I just don't watch TV much right now. <laughs> but that show is so t- is so bad. Don't watch it. There's my plug. What's the premise? You date naked, right? Literally, yeah. I wish I could say I'm I'm new to that. I'm not. I actually it was funny the other day. <laughs> it was funny the other the other day. I I, I was I was here? watching TV and I was kind of exhausted. And I fell asleep on the couch and then I woke up and it was on the channel I was watching and I was like I first wake up you're like what where did I fall asleep what was I watching you know um, freaked you out it was it was a little disturbing it is a little disturbing you freaked me out though because I thought you were claiming that you were not like dating naked was your thing like you've done that before no 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 oh (laughs) oh oh (laughs) no I have never gone on a naked naked. date yeah no at the show (laughs) okay good I'm glad we I have not done that in real life (laughs) we just scared a lot of people so I'm glad we had that yeah we don't want to scare the people like that (laughs) okay well great well on that note I think that we we need to end it (laughs) 
Malia, it's been great having you here. Yes, um, thank you. You know, uh, hopefully you'll be on again. Of course. In the future. Some you'll great insights. Me. There's some mm-hmm. great articles. We'll post them all up there on the show notes. Yeah. Um, for, you know, being now this just a three-person podcast and with Jackie and Malia. And, and it's we've gone a long way from being the pestle-heavy uh, mm-hmm. set, uh, podcast we had a couple of weeks ago. You don't re- know this reference, do you? Um, no. Yeah. It was, anyway. <laughs> But uh, anyway, so so with that, why don't we just go ahead and, and wrap it up and we'll end it. So for Revive Health and the Healthcare Marketing Underground podcast, um, this is Chris Boyer. Jackie Olson. Malia Barron. Rising. Rising. <laughs> rising. Malia Barron rising sounds like a, like a, like a book or a TV show. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. Mm-hmm.